You're listening to the official South Bay Church podcast. For more about us, please visit southbaychurch.us. Great to see everybody here today. What an incredible way to start 2018. Amen? I do want to uh, take the opportunity to thank our tech team, our worship team. And isn't it great having Dwight Velarde with us this morning? Uh, as you can see on the screens to the sides, um, I have very copious notes, with little blanks to fill in on the whole bit that are on our South Bay app. So if you'd like to follow along, you can download that. I've got about 20 hours worth of time vested in this uh, particular message today. And the notes that you have may look a little bit longer than normal, but I'll set you up for some quiet times for probably the next week or two. With that, no need for an introduction. We already have the video, so I'm going to dive right in here. And the uh, title of the message this morning is The Voice. Yeah, you, you guys know what we're dealing with there. We kind of use the logo there to kind of get the point across. But, you know, when it comes to the Holy Spirit, I don't know about you guys, but through the years, it's been something of a mystery to me on many, many, many occasions. There are those opportunities and those times where I feel like I'm connected. And then there's other times like, God, are you out there? Right? You know, Jesus said that when he went back to heaven, he was going to leave us this incredible counselor to walk with us every step of the way that we would have with us consistently day in and day out. And I don't know that I always feel that way. But I think one of the things that will be a takeaway this morning is that the impetus for that is more often than not on me and can be on us and our relationship with God. In John 10:27, it reads, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. And we can kind of see this little guy there. Something obviously caught his attention. Head popped up, ears popped out. And um, he recognized the voice of somebody called him. Probably has something to do with chow time. But Jesus lays this on out, and he says that his sheep, as his sheep, we will hear when we listen for his voice. What we're going to do this morning is we're going to be looking at two primary Greek words. And these Greek words actually mean... Word. But there's a difference. There's quite a contrast between the two. The first one, Logos, refers to the total inspired Word of God and to Jesus, who is the living Logos, the living Word. Some biblical examples this morning. Following passage of Scripture will give us some examples of the Logos of God. In John 1, verse 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, Logos, and the Word was God. And the Word was with God. Now, thinking about this, and again, Logos being the Word, it's the Word in its entirety. We know that from this passage, and going back to Genesis, that was Jesus not there in the beginning? Was there not a plurality during the creation? There was. We were, God says, we have created man in our image. God, the Holy Spirit, and Jesus. So God, Jesus encompasses everything that we have in Scripture. 2 Timothy 2, verse 15 reads, Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who doesn't need to be ashamed, correctly teaching the Word, Logos, the Word of Truth. Now, the contrast comes in this next passage with the, um, actually the word, the spoken word is Rama, R-H-E-M-A. And really understanding the significance of the words of Jesus here on this point, in Matthew 4, verse 4, it says, 
But he answered, it is written, man must not live on bread alone, but on every word, Rema, that comes from the mouth of God. You know, 2 Timothy 3, verse 16 is a passage we're all very familiar with. And again, it just kind of drives this point home. It says, all scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness, so the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good word. So as we can see, the second primary word, the second primary Greek word that describes Scripture is rema, which refers to the word that is spoken. It's an utterance. It, it's a, uh, it can be a sentence. It can be direction. Rema is a verse or a portion of Scripture that the Holy Spirit brings to our attention, which may have an application to a current situation or need for direction we find ourselves in the midst of. Now, I don't normally preach in a suit, and I don't think this handkerchief's going to get it done. So, I did bring it around something that's a, a little bit more absorbent. I'll put that down so it doesn't serve as a distraction. I had a couple clips. I was going to put it on the lectern, and my wife said I might lose a few of in the uh, use of that. So, I'll put it away until I need it again. Yeah, yeah, I know, babe. Wow. <laughs> the following passages of Scripture provide additional insight for us. And there's one in particular that really stands out to me. But, again, wanting to give us a little bit of context and understanding as to the difference between a word and the word rema. In Romans 10, verse 17, it reads, So faith comes from hearing through the rema, word of Christ, so again, faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ, which would be remnant. Thinking this through, utterances, dissertation, direction. We're not dealing with singularity, a single word, but looking to the teachings of Jesus Christ, inspired by the Holy Spirit. And then obviously everything that we have in the epistles that were written by the apostles, the different letters to the different churches, which continue to build on that direction so we can grow and, and continue to connect with God as we move forward in life. Ephesians 5, verse 25 reads, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. Well, what word would that be? We we looked at Jesus in his teachings. There's so much there. How did he treat people? Did it matter what ethnicity they were? Did it matter what gender they were? Was the direction that he gave something that was for everybody that had to do with the way we conduct ourselves in life? It's so inclusive. And it covers so many things. I love this next one in particular. Luke 5, verse 5. Simon answered, now keeping in mind Simon was a fisherman. These guys knew their gig. They're working with drop nets. They work in the shallows. The nets were thrown out, they take the fish to the bottom, they pull in the bottoms, and they bring in the fish. Jesus tells them to go put out in the deeper water. As a fisherman, based on the tools you're using, that make a whole lot of sense. But this is where Rema comes in. Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. Now, one would question their fishing ability or their catching ability, but anyway... But at your word, Rema, I will let down the nets. 
What we see Simon demonstrating here is faith or belief in direction given. You know, to give us a little bit of a contrast here, this next slide kind of takes care of that for us. What we see is a contrast between Logos, the entire Word of God, which is general, versus Rema, which is specific spoken word for a specific time and person. There's a personal application here, which is huge. So, you know, you may be asking yourself, well, how can I receive Rema today? Well, this is what we're going to be looking at as we move forward here. You know, in the regular course of our daily reading of God's Word, Logos, we need to ask ourselves to make sure that we're listening, that we ask God to speak to us through His Word and give us insight into it. So first we need to ask. The Holy Spirit can cause certain passages to stand out with significant meaning or application to our lives. And these are the remas of Scripture. They're amazing, and they should be part of our daily thoughts and actions, having that God can speak, really having this understanding that God can speak to us through His Holy Spirit. Now, wouldn't that be why the Word's called living and active? The living Word of God? And I think we can all probably relate to this next one, whether you're two weeks old as a Christian, or 25 or 35 years old as a Christian. Have you ever read a passage in the Bible, and you've read it, and it's kind of, you know, it's kind of cool, but no real application, you know, at that particular time, but you go through a different period of time or a different season in life, and all of a sudden you're reading that same passage, and it slaps you upside the head. It's like, this is amazing! I've read this 20 times! Why didn't I hear it before? Why didn't it have any kind of an impact? Because you didn't need it at that point in time. But that's why we need to stay in it. We need to continue to go after the Word on a daily basis. That's Rema. Pray before you read the Logos of God to hear the Holy Spirit speak the Rema of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word. Rema of God. Now, I know I've experienced this, maybe not as much with some of you, but you know, I've got these periods of time where it just seems like God is silent. And, and, you know, and I think with that, what I can do is I can start to question the effectiveness of this mighty counselor that Jesus Christ promised. Why? I think ultimately for me, I can believe that I can become too easily distracted in the rush, in the craziness of this modern society that we live in. There are so many distractions and they're all so demanding of our time and our attention. And sadly, it seems that we only hear what we want to hear. And I know, again, I can only speak about myself. I know there are times I have definitively tuned out the voice of God. I've heard it, but I haven't wanted to hear it. So I think I've got a better way of handling things. I've got a better way of dealing with it. And those words that I've heard, it's like, really, God, I, you know, I mean, this is the here and now. We're in the 2018. I don't really see the application here. I've got a plan. I've got a system. I've got a means of dealing with this until you realize I don't have a system. I don't have a plan when you're sitting there on your face, right? We've got to take the time to hear his voice and not tune it out. You know, how much time do you set aside for the one you call Savior? How much time do you spend with the one you call Lord? Not only did you just call Him Lord, you surrendered and made Him Lord of your life. And I think for me, one of the greatest challenges I've seen in my 27 years of a Christian 
when it comes to the body of Christ, especially those of us that are more mature, is that we thirst for intellectual knowledge of the logos. But it never really becomes rhema. Because, you know, and I think it's really understanding this. Just because we can quote it, just because we know where it is and analyze it, doesn't lead us to its God-given direction, which is the Word which should be living and active in our lives. The Word becomes Rema when we have faith which gives birth to obedience, and the obedience causes Logos to become Rema. And this is what's really awesome, is when Rema and Logos are one and the same, when they're combined, that's where the real demonstration of the power of God happens in our church. We need to really understand this. As again, as we mature, and you know, I mean, there have been various times in my life as a Christian where I thought I was mature. You know, a year in, it's like, you know, I kind of got this down. Ten years in, yeah, I got this down. Twenty years, I got this down. I mean, we have these hills and valleys and peaks and, you know, these things we're not super fired up about, right? It's because we don't understand the significance of this and we, we just don't stick with the basics. This is what I, it amazes me about Paul. Paul was so educated. He was a defender of the law. He was a Jewish attorney. He knew it inside and out. But do we see him pulling rank and shoving that stuff down our throats? When we look at what he writes in the Bible, he talks about what a simple man he is and that all he, know, all he needs is what we have in the life of Christ. Which I can appreciate because, you know, I had business law in college and I would not want to have to approach the Bible the same way. Amen? The Apostle Paul admonishes the church in 1 Corinthians when it comes to this. He says regarding Logos and Rema, this combination, that synergy, he says in 1 Corinthians 2 verse 1, When I came to you, brothers, I did not come with eloquence or superior wisdom, as I proclaim to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you, except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Could He have gone after a whole lot more things? But, you know, when we really think about it, Jesus is the Word. To know Jesus is pretty all-inclusive for us, right? I mean, the answers are right there. We look to the life of Christ. We look to the Gospels. Paul was warning the church of this dangerous spirit which we have seen in recent years that is on the rise, which is called the spirit of humanistic intellectualism. There is nothing wrong with being intellectual. I believe that our intellect is a total gift from God, and we should and can use it to bring glory to God. But the spirit of human intellectualism is teaching us that our intellectual understanding of God's Word is more significant than following its direction. Now, when we look at the Bible, who does that sound like? Oh, Pharisees. I mean, the religious leaders. Those that didn't want the self-application. I believe we need to guard very strongly against this dangerous spirit that has tried to creep into the body of Christ and our own lives when it comes to personal application of God's Word. Applying His truth to our lives. This is why it's important to understand that Logos and Remer are both pointing in one direction, which is Intellectual understanding, and really understanding that intellectual understanding isn't enough. It needs to be, that faith needs to be accompanied by action that we see in the book of James. Faith alone doesn't get it done. And I think really understanding that wise people hear and heed Rima. I mean, there are times where, as I've stated, I haven't, and I end up paying the price. And there are those times where it's like, 
oh yeah, you know, uh, take captive your thoughts. Or, you know, different passages will pop in your head. And all of a sudden you find it changes not only your interaction at the time, but the overall outcome of whatever the event is that you're involved with. You know, getting back to that whole thing in Luke 5, verse 5 with Simon Peter. Following that night of fruitless fishing, Simon Peter modeled the wisest way to respond to Rema words. Master, we have toiled all night, but we have caught nothing. But at your word, Rema, I will let down the nets. You know, you think about this. What caused Simon Peter to dismiss that protest after they had been out there all night, rounding up his fishing partners and actually heading out into deeper water? I believe the answer to that has something to do with the response. One, addressing him as master. But this growing awareness that Jesus was more than just an ordinary rabbi. That when Jesus spoke, He spoke with this amazing authority. And His words were Rema. When obeyed, what happened? They produced these incredible new dynamic realities. So when it comes to the Holy Spirit, talking about the Holy Spirit in our lives, do we hear His voice? Are we listening for the Holy Spirit? And then finally, are we obeying the Word of the Holy Spirit? Do we respond to Rema? I think this following story will give us a little bit of additional clarity when it comes to listening for the Holy Spirit. There were two men that were walking, around, walking along a crowded sidewalk. And one of the men remarked, this is a zoologist, he says, listen to the lovely sound of that cricket. But the other man could not hear the sound of the cricket at all. And he asked his friend, how can you hear this cricket with all this noise amid the roar of the traffic and the sounds of the city? Now, again, the first man was a zoologist, so he had trained himself to hear the sounds of nature. He didn't explain to his friend how he could hear the sound of the cricket, but instead he decided to demonstrate something that would really drive the point home. He reached into his pocket, he pulled out a half dollar, and he flipped it out on the sidewalk. And he watched intently as a dozen people began to look around for that coin as they heard it clanking amid the sounds of the traffic and the sounds of the city. And he turned to his friend and he said, We hear what we listen for. We hear what we listen for. You know, as a kid, I, I was, we, our family, we were into kind of numismatic stamps and coins and that kind of thing. And I could tell, you know, obviously I'm older than most of you here. We used to have, like, silver coinage, not this nickel-clad, copper-clad stuff that we have that you can bend and kind of sounds like plastic when you drop it. But I could hear, when my dad would rattle his change in his pocket, I knew when he had silver coins in his pocket, and I'd hit him up for his change. <laughs> Anything pre-1964, silver. I mean, there was some silver combination stuff through the 70s with the Kennedy half dollars, but it's amazing the difference in that sound. And again, it just proves this point if we're not here in the Holy Spirit, it's probably because we don't want to or we haven't trained ourselves to listen for it. Amen? We hear what we listen for. Are we really tuned into the voice of Jesus and the Holy Spirit? Do we really seek His voice? Are we training ourselves to hear and listen to His voice? Again, I can't drive this point home hard enough. We hear what we want to hear. Knowingly or unknowingly, we make decisions and choices about who or what we listen to. In John 25, verse 28, Jesus answered, I did tell you, but you do not believe. 
The miracles I do in my Father's name speak for me, but you do not believe because you are not my sheep. We've got to, we've got to embrace this. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. What an amazing promise. I give my sheep eternal life. And no one can take them from me. No one can snatch them from me. This gospel reading is a promise to those, each and every one of us, that call ourselves disciples of Jesus Christ. The Scripture is truth. The Scripture is a promise. Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice. It doesn't say we could hear his voice, or we should hear his voice, or we might hear his voice. The Scripture is crystal clear. My sheep hear my voice. And I'm just going to put this out there, and we, this may be something we need to really make sure we wrestle with from time to time. If we're not hearing His voice, then we're probably not walking in accordance with His will. If we're not hearing His voice, then we're probably not walking in accordance with His will. God wants you to know His will, which is amazing as well. We've got this incredible thing called the Bible, Right? So what is God's will for each of us? How can I know His will? What does it mean when we say we want to know the will of God? See, for me, I believe it's to know His will is to say we want to discern. We want to understand. We want to know His plan for our life. We want His guidance in our decisions so we can make wise choices. Knowing the will of God results in, or knowing the voice of God results in finding the will of God. You know, Scripture tells us that man shall not live by bread alone, right? But every word, rema, that proceeds out of the mouth of God. The Greek word for proceed speaks of a continuing function. And this is what I love about the Bible. It means that something that happened in the past is happening in the present, and will continue to take place in the future. Our God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now, that's what's so amazing, again, about His Word, is it doesn't matter when it was written, how many thousands of years ago, it's living and active. It still has a place for me and for you in our lives today. So it's imperative that we know the voice of God. That we live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Rema words are life-giving words. You know, as we discussed earlier, there's those two Greek terms translated word in the Scriptures. Logos and Rema. Both Logos and Rema are crucial. Both of them are crucial to our Christian walk. Logos has been described as a general word of God. We get that through reading and hearing the Scriptures. You know, so we can receive all the knowledge... We need concerning God and His promises, but through reading it, it doesn't necessarily provide faith. You know, I mean, you think about it. If that was the case, wouldn't everybody that's ever read the Bible become a Christian? What's the issue? Not everybody that reads the Bible wants to make the applications to their own lives. There's sacrifice involved. There's a surrender that's involved, but ultimately what it gets down to is they're so self-focused they can't believe that the God created them could have a role in their life today. And Paul shares this truth with us in Romans when he states, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. In this particular passage, the Greek term for word is not logos, but rema. 
God uses His Logos Word to speak His Rema Word to us. God uses His Logo Word to speak His Rema Word to us. So the more we read the written Word, storing it up in us, memorizing it, the more God can speak instant words to us in the moment. Those utterances, Rema. God's living instant speaking always corresponds with His written Word, which keeps us on the right path. Amen? These instant words guide us and turn us to Him when we hear Him in the moment. Here's an example. How many of you work or go to school? Should be everybody here. I mean, if you're a mom, you're working. If you're in the workplace, you're working. The rest of you, students, more than likely, right? So everybody should raise their hands on that. It applies to all of us. So, as an example, say you're at work or school. Now, I know this is probably a stretch, but you're angry about something. And I know this is probably even more of a stretch, but the more you think about it, the more agitated you get. And the more ticked off you get, and the more burnout you begin to feel, and all of a sudden, Romans 8.6 pops into your head. The mind of the sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life. And peace. Not enough of that in life, right? Not enough Romans 8 in our lives. The sinful man is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. And you know, and immediately a light bulb goes on. It's like, wow, no wonder I'm so dead. No wonder I'm so ticked off. No wonder I'm so burnt out. I've been sitting my mind on, and I've been focused on myself and my situation. When what I really need to do is to turn back to the Lord and to set my mind on Him. And what, what happens when we do? I, know, I don't know about you. For me, I maybe open up you know, the app on my phone, take a look at a couple other scriptures, cross-reference. Maybe I pause and pray. You know, Lord, I turn back to You. I set my mind on You right now. Thank You, Lord. When my mind is set on my spirit, ultimately becomes life without peace, with anxiety. Not ever a good mix, right? But, it, but it's so amazing when those, those, when Rema, when those words pop into our head, suddenly we find ourselves able to transition away from these negative things that we're experiencing and usher in a fresh mindset and ultimately peace from God. Amen? How did all this happen? The Lord used the constant written word logos that you've previously read or memorized to speak an instant and personal word to you, Rema, in real time. And the Lord's instant real-time speaking strengthened you to turn back to Him and supplied what you needed in the midst of your circumstances. Isn't that what we want? I mean, knowing that that provisional guidance, direction, and peace, and hope, and victory is right there for us every second of every day if we're willing to slow down and listen. I love that about God. But, I, you know, it's, it's almost embarrassing how many times I've lost sight of that. And I haven't given the opportunity to work in my life that way. You know, the writer of Hebrews shares this truth. In Hebrews 11, verse 6, it says, Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Faith comes by hearing, 
and hearing by the word Rema of God. And without Rema, it's impossible to please him. This next example, think about this. Did Peter walk on water because of Logos or Rema? Peter knew a little bit of the word. We know he'd had his issues. I mean, you know, one moment he's got the keys of the kingdom, the next moment, get behind me, Satan. Um, and that was probably when there's a little bit of a lack of the Rema component. But thinking this through, the word Christ gave to Peter was the thing that brought forth faith. Peter never walked on water because of logos, because of the general knowledge of God. Peter asked, Lord, if you are the Lord, command me to come. And what did Jesus do? He said, come. It was that utterance. Him knowing that Jesus was the Son of God. And he knew if Jesus commanded it, it would be done. That simple utterance was the thing that got Peter out of the boat, walking on the water. And sometimes we just make it so much more complicated than it really is. Jesus said, come. I mean, he didn't give him this, you know, this physics, you know, whatever. I mean, for you that are that inclined about, you know, the molecular density of water is da-da-da-da-da. And if I do this and you step out, you'll be able to walk on it. That wasn't what took place. Jesus simply said, come. It's amazing. But it was because of Peter's faith accompanied by his action. Peter walked in the water because he received Rema. And we need to believe that the Scriptures, with them, through them, we can and will grow in our knowledge of God and really understanding how powerful the Scriptures are, that they're food for our soul, that the Scriptures nourish us and keep us spiritually healthy. We are called to read and inwardly hold on to the Scriptures. And it goes back to the beginning, Deuteronomy. You know, I mean, as you walk, as you go about your day, put it on your doorpost. If there's that degree of constancy in our lives... Guys, this place right now, take a look around. We be busting out the seams. And it's not because of what we're saying, but it's because of how we're living in accordance with Rema, the utterances of God. Jesus is the Word made flesh. And with that understanding and knowing what He did and what He's done for us and the gift of salvation that we have, how are our quiet times? You know, it's, if you're visiting with us, it's a matter of setting time aside without distractions to look at God's Word, to connect with God, to pray to God. But we've got to slow down and continue to see the need to engage on that level. Jesus encompasses both Logos and Rema. Jesus is the Word. He's the perfect, all-encompassing Word of God. The words you hear and all of your desires should be carefully screened and weighed against Scripture. This is something we've got to understand. There is an emotional component to the Holy Spirit. I love it when there's that degree of connectivity between me and God. I love it when we have a worship song that impacts me on a heart level. And it helps me to connect with how amazing God is and what God's done for me personally. But there's an emotional component that's dangerous. And we've got to understand this. The Holy Spirit will never ever contradict the Word of God. When we get caught up in the fuzzies and the emotions and things of that nature, and we, we know good enough to know that what God says, 
doesn't really apply to me in this particular situation, you're in for a world of hurt. You're going down the wrong path. The Holy Spirit will never contradict the Word of God. Rema from God will never contradict the logos of God. So how will you hear His voice? This next one's kind of funny. This is a story that's been passed down concerning uh, President Franklin Roosevelt. And apparently he'd gotten a little upset with a lot of these meetings and stuff with dignitaries and people coming in and that kind of thing and having to put on the perfunctionary smile and shake hands and have this kind of in- interaction with people. And, you know, and saying the presidential expected words that, you know, he would be expected to say at these White House receptions. But so one, e- one evening he decided to kind of put this to the test. If I had anybody was actually listening to what he said. So as each person came up to him, he extended his hand, shook their hands, flashed a big smile and said, I murdered my grandmother this morning. It gets funnier because people would respond with, oh, my gosh, how lovely. Oh, it's so nice to meet you, Mr. President. Nobody listened to what he was actually saying, except for one foreign diplomat. I found this kind of amusing, too. When the president said, I murdered my grandmother this morning, the diplomat paused for a moment, looked at him and said, well, I'm sure she had it coming. (laughs) (laughs) And again, just trying to make the point about how, you know, we don't listen as good as we should. How much more so do we need to really make sure that we connect with God and we listen to what God is putting out there for us? We need to slow down. We need to decompress. We need to be still in practice listening. To and for our Lord. Matthew 15. Matthew 15. It says, Jesus was dealing with religious leaders of the day. You know, and ultimately these guys were much more concerned with logos, manipulating the law to justify their sinful behavior than the actual word of God, Rema. And this was the very word that Jesus was speaking to them in this passage that dealt with their hypocrisy in their hearts. And Jesus called the crowd to him in verse 10. He said, Listen and understand. What goes into a man's mouth does not make him unclean, but what comes out of his mouth, that is what makes him unclean. If you know the Word, and you can quote the Word, we've got to understand this. We can know the Word, we can quote the Word, but if we don't live it, you might as well just be a Pharisee. Listen when you read the Scriptures. Listen when you hear a teaching or a sermon. Then wait. Wait upon the Lord and listen to receive Rema. Verse 13, he replied, Every plant that my heavenly Father has not planted will be pulled up by the roots. Leave them. They are blind guides. If a blind man leaves a blind man, both will fall into a pit. We've got to be careful when it comes to our relationships. You know, sometimes we can have deeper relationships with people in the world that don't have the Holy Spirit, that don't have the Rema of God. And we can find ourselves drifting. Or if we're not plugged in here relationally in discipling relationships, we can find ourselves drifting, not getting the right input, not getting the right direction, not being pointed back to what we need to be doing as disciples. And this is what Jesus is talking about here. Peter says, explain the parable to us. Jesus responds, are you still so dull? But he helps him on out. Jesus asked them, don't you see that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and then out of the body? A little basic biology here. But the things that come out of the mouth come from the heart. And these make a man unclean. And you know, you think, think this through with the religious leaders. 
how they dealt with the adulterous woman, how they dealt with money, how they dealt with so many of these different things. And then listen to the context of this next verse. And this can be us. This has been me. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. These are what make a man unclean. But eating with unwashed hands does not make him unclean. I mean, it's just so blow away that the religious leaders of the day were so caught up in whether or not their hands were clean. And look what was going on with them and their perspective. Why do some not believe? Why do some not hear the voice of God? What we have read in the Gospel today speaks to that. You do not believe because you do not belong to my sheep. My sheep hear my voice. See, clearly to hear His voice, we must be His sheep. And then listen and act. Brothers and sisters, we must redeem the time that's necessary to have a right relationship with God. To hear the Holy Spirit. We've got to prioritize our lives. Find time to sit quietly before the Lord. Put our lives in neutral. Calm our hearts. Wait upon the Lord silently aloud and say, Lord, I'm here. I want to hear Your voice. I want to know Your will. I know for me, when I sit quietly and I call myself in His presence and begin with these words, and you know, you don't need to use these. Think through what will help you connect and what your expectation of God is based on your knowledge of God. But for me, it's Lord, You're amazing. And I do even better when I'm grateful. Thank you, Lord, for all the things that you've done for me, all the incredible blessings that I have. Then I wait peacefully and I listen for his words to me. I connect. Whether in a fast or in prayer, you need to set aside time, a quiet time, when you be calm and truly listen to the one you call Lord. Final story here this morning. There was a man having difficulty communicating with his wife and concluded that she was becoming hard of hearing. I know when it comes to our spouses here, none of us have ever experienced this, right? So he decided to conduct a test without her knowing about it. One evening, he sat in a chair on the far side of the room. Her back was to him, and she couldn't see him. And very quietly, he whispered. That's a pre-sprint, I think. Can you hear me? There was no response. Moving a little closer, he asked again. Can you hear me now? No response. Moving a little closer, he asked again. Can you hear me now? Still no reply. So quietly he edged a little bit closer to her and whispered the same words, but still no answer. He ultimately moved in right behind her chair and said, Can you hear me now? To his surprise and chagrin, she responded with irritation in her voice, For the fifth time, yes! (laughs) She was keeping track. So I think this thing we've got to understand... The hearing problem isn't with God. It's with us. It's time to move forward in the faith to submit every aspect of our lives to our Lord and Savior. When we slow down and we listen, we'll realize that the Rema Word imparts life to us and washes us and keeps us pure and holy before God. The Rema Word does more than help us in particular situations. It allows us to grow and become more like Christ. It washes us so we can be inwardly transformed and by these two functions, the Rema Word, God works out His purpose in us. 
Closing scriptures here come out of John 6, 63 and verse 68. John 6, 63. It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words which I have spoken to you are spirit and are life. And then in verse 68. And this has got to be our mantra right here. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Thank you and God bless. Thanks for listening to the South Bay Church Podcast. For other sermons, videos, upcoming events, and more about our church, please visit southbaychurch.us.